War by Pierre Lotti. Chapter 20 of War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Peter Bishop. War by Pierre Lotti. Translated by Marjorie Laurie. Chapter 20. All Souls' Day with the Armies at the Front. 2nd November, 1915. Two or three days ago, all along the front of the battle, began the great festival in honour of our soldiers' graves. No matter where they lie, grouped around churches in the ordinary village cemeteries, ranged in rows with military precision in little special cemeteries consecrated to them, or even situated singly at the side of a road, in a corner of a wood, or alone and lost in the midst of fields. Everywhere, seen from afar off, under the gloomy sky of these November days, and against the greyish background of the countryside, they attract the eyes with the brilliant newness of their decorations. Each grave is decked with at least four fine tricolours, their flagstaffs planted in the ground, two at the head, two at the foot, and an infinite number of flowers and wreaths tied with ribbons. It was the officers and the comrades of our dead soldiers who subscribed together to give them all this, and who, sometimes in spite of great difficulties, sent to the neighbouring towns for the decorations, and then arranged them all with such pious care, even on the graves of those of whom little was known, and of those poor men, few in number, whose very names have perished. Here in this village where I chance to be staying in the course of my journey, the cemetery is built in terraces and forms an amphitheatre on the side of a hill, and the corner dedicated to the soldiers is high up, visible to all the neighbourhood. There are fifteen of these graves, each with its four flags, making sixty flags in all, and in the bitter autumn wind they flutter almost gaily, unceasingly, all these strips of bunting, they wanton in the air, intermingle, and their bright colours shine out more conspicuously. For the matter of that, no three other colours in combination set off one another so gaily as our three dear colours of France. And these tombs, moreover, have such quantities and quantities of flowers, dahlias, chrysanthemums and roses, that they seem to be covered with one and the same richly decorated carpet. During these days of festival, the rest of the cemetery is also very full of flowers, but it looks dull and colourless compared with that corner sacred to our soldiers. It is this favoured corner which is visible at first sight, from a distance, from all the roads leading to the village, and wayfarers would ask themselves, What festival can they be celebrating with all these flags fluttering in the air? Two days before, I remember coming to see the preparations for these ingenious decorations. Chasseurs, with their hands full of bunches of flowers, were working there rapidly and thoughtfully, speaking in low tones. In the distance could be heard, though much muffled, the orchestra of the incessant battle in which the magnificent, great voice of our heavy artillery predominated. It seemed like the muttering of a storm all along the distant horizon. It was very gloomy in that cemetery, under an overcast sky, whence fell a semi-darkness already wintry in aspect. But the zeal of these chasseurs, who were decking the tomb so well, must yet have solaced the souls of the youthful dead with a little tender gaiety. And what beautiful moving masses were sung for them all along the front on the day of their festival. All the little churches, those at least that the barbarians had not destroyed, had been decorated that day with all that the villagers could muster in the way of flags, banners, tapers, and wreaths. And they were too small, these churches, to hold the crowds that flocked to them, 
There were officers, soldiers, civil population, women mostly in mourning, whose eyes under their veils were reddened with secret tears. Some of the soldiers, of their own accord, desiring to honour the souls of their comrades with a very special concert, had taken pains to learn the judgment hymns, the Dizere, the De Profundis, and their voices, unskilfully led though they were, vibrated impressively in the unison of plain song, which the organ accompanied. Indeed, what could better prepare them for the supreme sacrifice and for a death nobly met than these prayers, this music, and even these flowers? They sang this morning, these impoverished choristers, with a solemn transport. Then, after Mass, in spite of the icy rain and the muddy roads, the crowds that issued from each church in procession betook themselves to the cemeteries, in attendance on the priests bearing the solemn crucifix, and again, as on the day of the funerals, all the little graves were blessed. If I record these scenes, it is for the sake of mothers and wives and families, living far from here in other provinces of France, whose hearts no doubt grow heavier at the thought that the grave of someone dear to them may be neglected and very soon become unrecognisable. Oh, let them take comfort. In spite of the simplicity of these little wooden crosses, almost all alike, nowhere are they cared for and honoured so well as at the front. In no other place could they receive such touching homage, such tribute of flowers, of prayers, of tears. End of chapter 20. Recording by Peter Bishop.